on the tee from Australia, Adam Scott. There it is, Adam Scott. Expect anything different? Brilliant. What an up and down that was. In your life have you seen anything like that? Welcome to the clubhouse. Hey, get everyone. Big show ahead. Great to have your company. This is the Clubhouse right across Australia with Julian Bayard and Mark Allen talking all things golf. What a week. We Fiji Open, Marco. We'll talk Woo. about that. Henrik, no driver. Good to see you, Still Jules. wins. We'll yeah. talk about that. Marco, how are you? Yeah, I'm very well. They're very happy with for Jason Norris, um, 44 years old. He's won three times on the second tier kind of tournaments like New South Wales Open, the Vic Open as well. Um, he's won tournaments like that, but to win a European Tour event, yep. uh, he's just remarkable. Yeah, you know, when he won, they asked him straight after the ceremony, would you like to play in Denmark? You know, <laughs> Three million quid up for grabs or something, or Euros. I mean, yes, you want to play, but obviously he had other things to do. But we're going to hear from him a little later in yes, the show, Yes, you interviewed him during the week. So we'll, uh, yeah, we'll myself and Craig Spence, yep. the 99 Australian Masters champ. We had a, ch- a chat to him. Hang around for it because he talks about how he plays golf. And... He doesn't have the best swing, and he knows that. But what he practices and how he gets the job done, mm. it can help every average player out there. Yep. So hang around for that one. Looking forward to it, Marco. Looking forward to that. What do you make of Henrik? Uh, now he hasn't won really a he hasn't won anything really of note, mm. like a big one since the Open. Yep. He comes into the FedEx Cup, and I think he drifted all the way out to number nine in the world. He comes into the FedEx Cup, which starts this weekend. We've got, you know, obviously, I, I really enjoy what, what happens there. Mm-hmm. What, what do you make of him coming back and winning the way he did? Because I think he shot 22 under and performed well. Yeah, I think um, I genuinely enjoy watching him play golf. I yeah. think his swing... Like awesome. You can't stop watching his yeah. swing. This is something about the way he strikes Gre- the ball. Greg Norman says he's the best striker in golf yeah. that he's ever seen. Yeah, Greg Norman says it. And the the most interesting thing about the win, Marco, was the big berth, the driver, the big one. Not there. Didn't come out of the bag all Not week. there. Imagine, I can't fathom playing around a golf without using your driver. You know, look, he's always had this amazing ability to hit. He had a 13-degree... Callaway driver in his bag for a long time until yep. it basically wore out. The face basically wore out, and it was just time for a new one. So he got Callaway to fiddle around and make him one. Now, the driver that he wanted, he didn't want the neck that uh, is movable. He wanted a steel neck like he'd always had, and so Callaway, you know, they got down and did whatever they had to do. Yeah. But the difference between his driver and his three-wood, it's not much. And I'm talking about distance off the tee. Yeah. Even though... One of them's got all the bells and whistles <laughs> with, you know, the the, the um, uh, titanium face and weight in the right spot and 45 and a half inches long. He found that this 13 degree three wood that he's always used, that was only 43 and a half inches long, yep. had 13 degrees, made of steel, not titanium, mm. was going further. <laughs> so... Well, not some, not some, you know, 10 yards behind. Yeah, yeah. 10 yards it was, behind. It was pretty it, much it, the same. it was out of whack. Yeah. And as, and driving it as far as everyone else anyway. And twice as straight. Yeah. Like, it was a fairway finder for him. Mm. And this week, for the first time, probably in a long time, he's only had the, the three wood and the five wood in the bag. Yeah. I mean, just remarkable. Now, can I can I tell you this story? I've been waiting for my clubs to come from TaylorMade. So I'm mm. a TaylorMade guy. Yes. Um, and, and I've been waiting for the new M2. But because they're such high demand, I've had to wait for a long time. But my, my order was uh, an M2, 10.5 degree yeah. at 44.5 inches long, a Tua M2, 
15 degree three wood. Now, the reason, the difference between a tour one is it, it sits open. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, when you put it down, it doesn't, it, it actually looks square, which is which which means it sits two degrees open. Uh, and a five wood. When I, they finally arrived, it came as a high launch, which it wasn't what I wanted, yeah. but they bent it to where it sits open. Right. So I said, you know, I'm really disappointed. What is the story here, guys? What, what What's going on? And they told me that tour players can't get the tour <laughs> M2 in the air off the deck. It just won't get, I mean, they can smash it. It goes a million miles, but they can't get it in the air. Yeah. And that's a 15 degree club that sits with the old tour. Now, generally speaking, when I say generally speaking, five, 10 years ago, there was always the, you can buy the Titleist or you can buy the Titleist Tour. Or you can buy the Callaway or you can buy the yeah. Callaway Tour. You can buy the TaylorMade and you buy the TaylorMade Tour. And that was just sat open. And everyone could get them up in the air. And 13 degree three woods were all the rage. Yep. But now the conditions and the, the shafts and the ball, tour players can't get a 15 degree three wood that sits open up in the air. And they wouldn't send it. Now, you know, if I'm, now that I've got my new clubs, it's a 16 and a half degree, which is a four wood really, yeah. bent to 15 degrees, which makes it sit open. And it's perfect. Yeah. I mean, it comes out absolutely <laughs> perfect. So the guy who did the fitting for me, I was cursing him when they arrived. I thought, oh, you know, like, I wanted to make phone now calls. You're pretty happy. I was trying. To, now I'm wrapped. Yeah. But that comes from his experience with guys who can really nail the ball, hit the ball a million miles. They couldn't get this thing in the air. Mm. So his 13 degree. You think about this. So there's a 15 degree that I can, that tour players can't get in the air. The 15 degree M2 tour. Most tour players can't get it in the air. Yeah. So Henrik is using a 13 degree, which probably sits open. And he's just absolutely killing this thing. Like, he didn't know. He was hitting the ball. Like, I, I couldn't tell. Yeah. You the, couldn't tell. I love some of the graphics that were coming up on the fairway, marker where they were going, the driving average on this hole with the blokes who were just bombing drives yeah. down there. And then they'd have it up, and then Henrik would come up with his three wood. And yeah. Just, he, I think he landed it exactly on the driving average with his with his three wood. wood. Yeah, with his three wood. It's extraordinary. And the um, the pro tracer from behind him, I, the PGA Tour put up a video on their uh, Facebook yeah. page this week of all Henrik's three woods for the week. Yeah, amazing. Pro tracer, and it's just fairway finder. Down, little bit of draw on it, just the yep. tiniest of tiny yep. bits. Yeah. Straight fairway finder. The, the real advantage for Henrik here is it's forty three and a half inches long. This mm. club. Which is the Jack Nicholas driver of old. Yeah. It might have had Jack's driver might have had nine degrees once upon a time with the old ball that kept it in the air. Yeah. But it just shows you for each individual the difference. Yeah. So you got someone like Dustin Johnson, he uses a shut face, ten and a half degree, forty six inches long driver. But he hits fades. He yeah. he has this shut to open through impact way which kind of offsets the reason that he doesn't he can have the driver as long as he wants because the club face stays very square through the hitting area but it just shows you how each swing the difference is for equipment while we're on this i I played on wednesday and i played with my accountant his name's (laughs) bernie woodland okay i hope he doesn't mind me using his name but bernie plays off 20 and he always plays unbelievable when i play with him Mm. and we got to the eighth hole at kingston heath it's the blind tee shot goes around to the right 
And he's laying up with the seven iron with his second shot. Mm-hmm. Smart, you know, accountant style golf. <laughs> Don't worry about the five wouldn't go to the green. Style golf. Accountant style. <laughs> right style. I'm just going to hit my seven iron down there. Yeah. And you know, be happy if I if I can mm-hmm. get up and down from the front of the green. Anyway, he hits the ball. And I, you know, I'm not paying much attention. I'm worried about my game. But I hear him saying, "Gah, gah! Why does this always go left? This club always goes left." I'm thinking to myself, I don't know. So I hit my shot. They go, Bernie, come over here. I said, when when you say that club always goes left, are you just saying that or does it always go left? Mm. He goes, no, no, nine out of ten times, this club goes straight left and low, just like that shot. Yeah. So I went over and had a look. Now, my club's a standard length and two degrees flat. Mm-hmm. This club was easier to see that it was nothing like my clubs. Mm-hmm. So to me, it was two degrees upright. I said, did you buy these off the shelf? He goes, yeah. So if you buy stuff off the shelf, then normally they're not upright, they're not flat, they're standard. Yep. So when I had a look at it, his two iron, a seven iron, clearly two degrees up. Clearly. Got the eight iron out? Fine. Fine. Got the six iron out? Fine. So we went ahead and fixed it. Problem solved. Bang. So there are people listening now, there. they mm-hmm. will have a club in the bag that they just can't hit. I, I remember for a long time, I was, I was playing the China Tour, and this is 100 years ago, so they barely had golf courses, let alone loft and lie machines in China. And I had an 8-iron that uh, had just arrived, and I didn't have time to check them before I went over. And this 8-iron, like I just knew it went left. Yeah. It just it went left every time. So in the end, I had to, every time I hit an 8-iron, I had to grip down the shaft because that made the, the lie sit flatter. But it happens. It doesn't matter. You know, here are some clubs coming to me for a professional mm. that are supposed to be absolutely checked 100%. And I'll dob them in. Mizuno sent me a dodgy 8-iron back, back in the day. Come on. But, you know, that's my, it's my job to check them, by yes. the way, as a pro. You always check your clubs. Mm. So if it was happening to me back then, I, I guarantee it's happening to average Joe. Yeah. You, you go and buy a set of clubs off it's the rack. There's, there's more than likely going to be a dodgy one. Yep. There's more than likely going to you know, be a situation where an 8-iron might have 40 degrees of loft and mm-hmm. the 7-iron might have 41. Yeah. So what's the difference? <laughs> so to getting getting a, a brand new set of clubs checked, absolutely imperative. Yep. But if you've got one club that you just can't hit right, maybe it's cutting, maybe it's just, it digs in too much, get your pro to have a look at it. Mm-hmm. You, you might have a pitching wedge that doesn't go very far. You might have... A, a, a six iron that just goes straight up in the air. It's not your imagination yeah. if it's just happening, if it's happening, if it's All a pattern. That one if time. it is a full-on pattern, take it to your pro shop and get the guy to have a look at it because loft and lie is so important. I want to talk about what you were saying with Henrik Stenson, Marco, yeah. this fairway finder. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. And I want to relate it back to people who are listening out there. Because quite often you might be you might be having a good day. You might be yep. on 36, 38 points coming down 18. Suddenly the nerves start yeah. to come out. And you go, ooh, I could be on for a win today. Yeah, that's it. I could it. be looking for 40 points. Something's gonna, something big's going to happen today. I need to hit this yep. fairway yep. 100%. Yep. The driver might not be having a good day. Yep. The importance of having a fairway finder in your bag and which club do oh. you think it should be? Well, it should be your driver. For, for most people, it should be a driver. Yeah. Only the longest hitters on tour really need to lay up. And when you see all the stats, you know, the difference between the best players in the world, their driver and their three-wood, as far mm-hmm. as accuracy is, concern, accuracy is concerned, it's hardly noticeable. Yeah. They miss as, they miss as many fairways with a three-wood, almost, than they do with the driver. Mm-hmm. So I think that goes with pretty much everybody. 
everybody. So I think the fairway finder, and this is why I harp about it, for your average Joe who hits the ball 230 or 40 metres, which is still a good hit. Yep. Even if your average Joe hits a 200 or 210 metres, I think that guy should be hitting driver off pretty much every hole. Okay. So that's the one that should be your fairway finder. And that's why I say, a bit like Henrik Stenson's 43.5 degree three-wood, which has 13 degrees loft, I really believe that a fairway finder could be your driver. Mm. And if you've got a driver that you've just bought off the shelf, some of them are 45 and a half, 46 inches long. Now, it, they're too long for good players. Sergio Garcia, he has a 43 and a half or a 44-inch driver. And he's one of the best we've ever seen. Yep. And one of the reasons he's the best he's ever, we've ever seen is because he's always played with a 43 and a half or 44-inch driver. Yep. So I'm suggesting to a lot of people, and when I was giving lessons at Albert Park Driving Range, I used to always cut down people's drivers and just put some lead tape on the back. Because they had great swings, but they just couldn't control the 46-inch long yeah, driver that they, they bought, bought off the shelf. shelf. That's right. So I would cut two inches off, and then I would put lead tape in the right spots. Or sometimes we actually had the head weights back in, you know, 10 yes. years ago. when I was, We actually used to just get the big head weights in and turn them in. And they would come back wrapped. Mm. They'd lost hardly any distance. And one of the reasons is because the spin rate comes down when the shorter clubs. Yep. I, I'll, I'll tell you this story. I used to have this, again, a Mizuno 3-wood, and I loved it. Absolutely loved it. But at the time, I was also using a persimmon driver mm-hmm. when I first turned pro. The 3-wood went too far. So it's a bit like having two four-irons in the bag. My 3-wood was going, let's just say for argument's sake, 270 yards, and my driver, my persimmon driver, was going 280 yards. What's the use? when my two hind was only going 220. Yeah. So I wanted to get something in between the 280 and the 220. So in my wisdom, which wasn't much, <laughs> I had this 43-inch club. I thought I'll just take an inch off it. Yep. And that'll drag it a long way back, a long way back. It had the opposite effect. <laughs> and yeah, that, this Mizuno club, it had this little Allen key hole in the bottom. Right. And when I opened it up, it was empty. So what I could do with this three wood is I could load it up. Mm. So I put as much uh, lead dust as I possibly could in the Allen key hole, and that still only got the thing. After I chopped an inch off it, it was still you know D one, and all my clubs used to be D four. So then I put some tape on the back. So you know what they all doing these days, don't you? All the weight goes back. Mm-hmm. All the weight goes back. So I'm I'm just loading up the back of my three wood. Plus, I took an inch off it, so I went from 43 inches long to 42 inches long, and my three-wood was still going 270 yards mm. you know, with a run-out. So it was ridiculous. So that's when I actually went to I the fines of distance and went to a titanium club for the first time. Yeah. So I ended up going, I ended up, I ended up getting 290 yards back then with the old wound ball mm-hmm. out of my driver. But my three wood, I was stuck with this thing. So in the end, you know, I was lucky I had to find something else yep. to, to go in between my three wood and my three iron. The importance of a fairway finder, Marco. you got to have a fairway finder, folks, yep. and it can be your driver. So if you think you're a good player, if you do, if you think you're a good player but need to hit more fairways, just take your club in, see if there is a spot where you can put some lead tape at the back mm-hmm. of the club. This does the magic that they're all talking about these days and, you know, the COR or I don't know what the term is, but if you put lead further back, one, the ball will pop up easier, but the shorter of the shorter distance, the shorter length of the of the driver will offset the spin. It becomes a fairway finder. Yep. No spin, no hook or cut, no uh, 
No drag through the air either. Yep. So this Have could be it. it. 43 inches. Like, especially if you're under six foot tall, if you're, under, if you're, if you're 183 centimetres or down, mm-hmm. very much, 44 inches should be the limit. That's it. But you've got to weight it up. Yep. If, it, if, if your club started at a swing weight of D3 or D4, then when you chop it off and put the grip back on, you've got to somehow get it up to D3 or D4. And that's with lead tape or with the magic, you know, the magic uh, bolts in the back or the nuts yep. in the back. You, know, you might have a five, a five grammer. You might need to get a 15 grammer. So you might have to order it. You yep. might have to get online and order it, but get it done. Speak to your pro. You need a fair way finder, folks. Yep. Have a look at it. Yeah, Ooh, I like it. It's the like way it. to go. That's important, Marco. Yeah, I, it is. I well, often that's get why... nervous on that 18th and need yeah. a fairway finder. Well, and fa- I'd very rarely pull the driver out. H- Henrik, Henrik so... even when he was playing his best, yeah. would probably only hit two or three drivers mm. around. On the big par fives. But always had the fairway finder. Yep. Yeah. We're going to get to a break. want to talk President's Cup next, Marco. Yeah. Is big Phil Mickelson going to play? Where is he? Oh, tell me after the break. I'll tell you after the break. We're off to New York. Yeah, okay. the setting the looks amazing. Oh, yes. The setting looks amazing. And we'll hear too from uh, Jason Norris, the winner over in Fiji. That's coming up. Stick around. This is The Clubhouse. In your life, have you seen anything like that? You're listening to The Clubhouse. Welcome back. It is The Clubhouse right across Australia. Julian Bayard and Mark Allen with you. Marco, we're not too far away from the President's Cup. Come on. Uh, seriously, I don't know what to think about the President's Cup anymore. You- One win. <laughs> when Peter Thompson had his birthday during the week, by the way, yes. turned 88 this week. Good on you, Pete. Happy birthday. We love you. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the captain and out Fox Jack Nicholas. Well done. We like that yes. uh, from you, Peter Thompson. And we had a tie as well. Remember, we had Ernie Els and Tiger Woods in a playoff in South Africa. And then there was a very famous handshake between Jack Nicholas and Gary Player. They just came to each other and said, come on, we'll just call it a tie. <laughs> and they did. So one win, one draw for the international team. And flogged every other year. Yep. Not even close. Well, what was it? Every other half, year's been a I disgrace. Think 2015 was close. Well, how, how, how close? 15 and a half to 14 and a half. Yeah. Well, there's one. Yeah. Every other year. <laughs> go, go through. Have you got some of the I results? Don't, I don't have the other ones. Go through some of the results. I mean, it, there has been a belting. There's been a few where it's been over before they got to the singles yeah. on Sunday. Yeah. So I enjoy it. I know the players enjoy it. I, I certainly think the Americans are getting into the swing of things. It's a shame the President's Cup, when we've spoken about this before, is not the qualifier for the Ryder Cup. That's right. Oh, what a comp. So if you've joined us, if you haven't, if you haven't been part of the show for a while, mm-hmm. Frank Nobolo we had on the program before it came to Australia last time when we were just warming into it. Yeah. His suggestion, which was a cracker, is that if you want to get the whole world involved yep. in the Ryder Cup, then whoever won the Ryder Cup last time must have been, was it Europe? Let's say, let's say that they, they've been dominating. Yeah, they've been dominating. Let's say Europe. They continue to dominate. They win the Ryder Cup, so they get a year off, and then in the next year there is a qualifying to challenge Europe. That's right. Called the Presidents Cup. Mm. So what would happen is the USA would play the internationals. Let's the internationals win, and then the following year the international team takes on Europe for the Ryder Cup. Cup. Now, that's a dream for us. In America, not so good. No chance. Not so good. <laughs> and probably Europe as well, not so good. But that would be the ultimate. And I reckon I reckon if you put it to the Americans to where they weren't having to play something like this all the time, every year, they have a year off, they'd probably really like it. Yep. But, you know, in 2019, when the USPGA gets moved to May, it does give them a lot more 
freedom of movement towards the end of this season because they've just come off a PGA. They had the Wynnum, which a lot of players took off. Then you got the President's Cup, where you've pretty much got to play all four weeks. Uh, there is a week off in between. There has been of of recent. There's been a little break. And then, of course, you've got to stump up and play the President's Cup or the Ryder Cups, yes. which is a lot for the Americans. It's a, lot, it's a, it's a mm-hmm. big hurdle, but... Um, that would be the dream if they yep. could ever do it. Have you seen the setting for it? Oh. With the, with the I, Statue of Liberty in the background? I've seen the it setting. It looks Marco, sensational. Because my best mate and former housemate yeah. is, has just left for Europe and then he's going across oh, to New York me. to watch the President's Cup. So I've, I'm oh, right across massive. the setting. Right across how bloody That's going to be unreal. <laughs> that is going to yes. be unreal. The, the, is this the golf course where you get a ferry from New York across? Mm. I don't it's, even. Mate, it's just the there's most no car pic- park most or anything. Picturesque joint in golf. Just about up. You talk. You did a list on this show of what four weeks ago of wow moments when you yeah, lock yeah. up to a golf course. This would be right up there. Yeah, this would be. This would be right up. So there. I think there is a ferry across. There's a there's a, a bit like if you in Hamilton Island <laughs> to get a there's a, you actually get a ferry across to that. I yeah. think it's a bit like that to where you ferry across and yeah. Anyway, if, if it's not this course, there is another one just like that. So the New Yorkers, ferry across, whatever. Oh, it wouldn't be the Hudson River. It would be something else down the New Jersey way. How and good. you're actually away you go. Now, Marco, if you were U.S. Captain Steve Stricker, yes. would you be using one of your captain's picks on Phil Mickelson? Because right yes. now he's 18th in the U.S. standings. Yeah. But last time, in 2015, he was 30th and was picked yeah. still. And went three zero oh, and one. Yeah. Well, so last year, yeah. Last Would you pick year, him? Is he playing well enough right you've, now? You've got to go and stand behind him, and if he's hitting the ball all over the place, and you know you, you're going to a golf course where that's not going to suit Phil, then no. Yeah. But if the setup of this golf course with the Statue of Liberty in the background, what's it called? Uh, give find me a minute. Me. I'll find it, it for me. Yep. If that's a setup where Phil can hit the ball anywhere, then yeah, that's a big tick. You you probably would because I I think his record in the Presidents Cup is outstanding. Mm. I'm not sure his record in the Ryder Cup is anywhere near as good. Yep. But Liberty National Golf Course. Liberty National. Michael. That's it. But straight across from the Statue of Liberty. In saying that, <laughs> I think all the Americans have an amazing record in the Presidents Cup because they dominate yeah, the international well, team. So, yes. um, yeah. If if I'm sitting here and not knowing much about it, yes, yeah, Steve Trigger picks Phil. As yep. one of his picks, mm. as one of his picks. Yeah, I think the um, camaraderie and what he brings off the golf course might have something to do with it as well, Marco. Probably. Because yeah. I think in the locker room sort of style, he brings a little bit of experience, a bit of calmness, yep. and often plays with the rookies as well, the ones yep. who might be a little bit nervous in that sort of environment, yeah. particularly in um, President's Cup, Ryder Cup sort of style. He often has done that yeah. and uh, and has a good influence. So. I wonder if Tiger Woods is going to be a non-playing captain. Is that an interesting week, Tiger? <laughs> <laughs> for those what are who, we dealing with? for those who don't know, yeah. his former girlfriend Lindsay Vaughn, yep. who is a champion Olympic gold medalist downhill skier. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems that uh, Tiger Woods has got on board with what all the youngsters seem to do these days, and send uh, sent a picture of himself, yes. nude style. You know, camera up in front of the mirror wardrobe, holding it in front of you. Completely naked. Sent that to Linz probably when they had some distance between oh, them at God. one point. <laughs> someone has found... Someone's it. hacked it. Someone's got into Lindsay's phone yeah. and put it out there for the world to see. Mm. 
He's become a like if he wasn't already a punchline, oh. Tiger Woods, he is now officially a punchline. Yeah. I, mean, I think two weeks ago there was a report saying that he had five different types of drug in his system. Yes. Mainly painkillers right. and sleeping pills. Yep. When uh, he got pulled over uh, in his car, mm. that's an ugly look. Yeah. But now, to do the old, I'm here, baby, picture. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen, I've only seen half the pitch. <laughs> right? I've only seen half the picture. We might have tried to Google it before the show. <laughs> I've only seen half the picture, but I know people who have seen the picture yeah, and they right. tell me it burns your eyes. Yeah, it's just going to, yeah. That'll that, do. That won't be on our Facebook page. No, anyone's that's wondering. not going to be. <laughs> hey, Tiger, get well soon. Let's get back on the straight and narrow, Mark, and we're going to get to a break. Up next... Jason Norris. That's right. Stick yeah. around. We're going to hear from the Fiji champion. Yeah, that's right. Next. European tour player these days. Oh, yes, please. In your life, have you seen anything like that? You're listening to The Clubhouse. Yeah, welcome back. It is The Clubhouse right across Australia. Julian Bayard and Mark Allen with you. If you do miss any show, you can always podcast and uh, listen back anytime you like. Just search for The Clubhouse Golf Show on iTunes. Now, Marco, I tuned in on Fox Sports during the week. Saw Brendan Julian and the team in their Hawaiian sort of Fijian-style shirts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, the tournament was a ripper. It was. The course looked fantastic on TV. The government's <laughs> got right, the Fijian government, have got right behind this event. And it's a $1.5 million event these days, yep. 250000 bucks to the winner. That's good, 250000 bucks. But what's unbelievable and life-changing is if you weren't a member of the Asian or the European Tour, if you win this tournament, you now are. Mm. And our next guest, we Craig Spence and I, Craig Spence won the 1999 Australian Masters. Yep. We spoke to Jason Norwich, Norris last week. Yep. And it's been life-changing for him. Have a good listen. He speaks about how he plays, how he teaches other people. But you'll get something out of this, I promise. G'day, Jace. G'day, Marco. How are you, buddy? Yeah, I'm really well. Are you still coming down from the clouds, I imagine? Mate, I think I just landed back on Earth. <laughs> what have you been doing the last couple of days? Uh, 250,000 jumps into the pocket. But more importantly, status, like serious status on the European Tour. Yeah, it's unbelievable, isn't it? And, uh, I've been going through a lot of messages the last couple of days, trying to get some sleep, which I haven't been able to do, and uh, just entering some events as we as we speak. About a minute ago, I just entered in Switzerland for a week now. Hey, Jase, you've won a, a number of times on the secondary tour. We're talking about Vic- which ones were they? South Australian Open or PGAs, and good, a number good, of them. Good homework, uh, Marco. Well done. It was a WA PGA. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Well, I was open both in '07, and then after my accident was uh, was probably the the most uh, monumental after my accident because it was uh, yeah you know a long time back. But 2010 Vic Open at my home club, Spring Valley, at the time. Yeah. Now, so there's some big ones, and like the second series, they're they're hard to win. I mean, yeah. you look at some of the scores when they win that tournament, and the scores are you know very much comparable to when the, you know the big guys are in town. You see that at Huntingdale. You know, you, you see the scores that win the, the the Victorian PGA at Huntingdale. It's the same sort of score that wins when the big boys are in town for the Australian Masters, Jason. So they are real feathers in your cap as far as I'm concerned. But when you're in the hunt for something that gets you onto the European Tour, how is the body and the head feeling you know, when the back nine, you know, you, you make the turn, you're standing on the 10th tee, you're in it up to your eyeballs. Mm. What were you saying to yourself? Oh, yeah, I agree. I, I think back to the tier twos, I've always said if you can win one of them, you can win anything. Yes. And I've, I've agreed with that, except for the media, which is what you're saying now, the uh, you know, the back nine. For some reason, 
can't explain it, but I just felt good on that day. And uh, I didn't think of the money. I didn't think of the European Tour until my 18th tee shot, I, I would go as far as saying. <laughs> like, obviously, 16, you know, you, you shrink the Titans a little bit. and you, uh, Got a nice, did, that get, did that get a nice bounce as a par five? Or was that the answer? No, so I mean, 16 is the one with the rocks on the fairway. It's probably the yes. toughest shot on the golf course. And, yes, and yes. I made triple the day before as well, just oh. make matters a little worse. So. But I didn't change it. I'd heard from people that Gary had had a crack at me for hitting driver, but, uh, <laughs> you know, driver's the straightest club in my bag, so that's the one I'm going for on a tight hole, and that's why I've, I think I've done well on tough golf courses. Right, and, and what, now tell us about the, the, the what's in your head. The, the par 517, you're a few shots in front, Um and there's a lot of stuff left. Like, you just don't want to go left. But you ended up hitting exactly. a ripping shot. How, how are you feeling over that one? So 17, 18, I, uh, I, you obviously go, I don't want to go left here. And you know it's lost ball. You could could lose tournament. But I don't want to block it either and gas it. Right. I'm still thinking, on 17, I was definitely thinking birdie. I, I didn't know what Wilson had done. You know, he was catching. He was only two back, I think, at one stage. But yeah. my goal was to hit a uh, to hit a good drive and I just made sure I ripped that hip through so it wouldn't go left. <laughs> <Not a, laughs> nice. So when you say that, Norrie, you're talking about the club head or your actual head? You you just worked on getting the club head through? If I get my hips working, I never hit it left. So, um, you know, the club can't flip over once you... Uh, so all those amateurs out there, there you know, yep. don't want to go left, get those hips working. So that's what you need. That's nice. That's what you need to be able to play good golf under pressure, isn't it? You need to know what works when there's trouble left, and you need to know what do you do when there's trouble right then, Norrie? What do you go to? I, uh, Slow I, hips. I, 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 no, <laughs> I, um, I, I've been lucky in my years where I've, I've, I've been all right under the pump where I can hit it straight if I'm thinking correctly. But... Um, Right, what, uh, for me, it's the same thing. If I really work on that uh, that follow through, everything just seems to to go thing. And under the pump, that's what you go back to. You you just work on your routine, and you know, you don't think about the the European tour. That's for sure. <laughs> Nori, you've been through. You know, you've been through your ups and downs for your for your career, haven't you? You not not in terms of in a massive way, but it's taken you a long time to get a really good tour card. Now overseas, you're set up. You've got tournaments, but tell us, you know, you got two young children. You got a wife back in Adelaide. Um, it must have been tough financially at times, and it must have been tough for you to jump on a plane and head away um, when when they're at home, and, and you just think, well, it'd be just easier to go and get a job. Definitely. You, I mean, you're a golf pro. Unless you're not a golf pro, I don't think you understand the, the pressures and the uh, the toughness of making money on a golf course. And yeah, it is hard. You, you know, you've got to you've got to do well. But you know, and uh, the golf pro knows if you think about that stuff when you're playing, you're, mm. you're in big trouble. You're not do any good. But you know, you you just work on. My my goal on the last day, my good mate Ace was uh, caddying for me. And our goal was to have fun, and, and I, I think we definitely achieved that goal, and the, and the result came with it. Jason, I just, just from afar, I've been just admiring your confidence in, in the way that you play. I mean, you know, you know, you, you see guys like Jason Day and, and Adam Scott, and, and no offence, and I mean this with the greatest respect, they those guys make the game look easy. Where yeah. you you seem to be a real confident player, and, and, and that impresses me. So, so tell me this: Are you more confident about what your swing can produce or are you just confident about playing golf and playing the game? That's a good question, Marco. Well asked. Mm. I don't have an answer. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, it's, uh, 
I believe, when I'm going well, I'm very confident. I'm definitely a confidence player, and I'm nowhere near the best swinger of a golf club, but I believe I'm a good ball striker, and, and that's what it comes down to, and I have the belief that I am a good ball striker. I don't need to worry about getting my swing perfect. I've never worked on that. I uh, I just worry about feels. For me, it's all feels, mm, yep. and I know exactly what happens when I'm feeling what. So to me, that's the key. And, uh, you know, I don't stand there on a driving range working my swing all day. I, I work shots. I fade it. I draw it. I hit it high, low. Nice. I think for me that's the uh, the key. It, it, the fact is, and uh, and I'm sure a lot of people would agree with this, what makes your technique? For me, it's your mind telling your body what to do to swing it there. And so, therefore, it's more mental than anything, isn't it? Clever. Jase, I love that. And we hear it time after time after time, short game, putting, feeling the target, yep. and on the range hitting shapes. How come? How come so few people will do it, Jace? I agree completely. I mean, I try and help so many young guys, and, and I've been at the, the Grange Golf Club with the last eighteen months helping kids. And you know, you try to draw that through them, and I try to say to them, you know, work on your short game eighty percent. Practice shaping shots on the on the fairway. Not obviously, you've got to be technically sound. We all know that, mm. but. You know, you, you've got to perform under pressure. So no matter what, how good your technique is, it'll it couldn't collapse on under pressure. You've got to be mentally sound, as we all know. No idea why people don't work on it. I think they're very mm. good at that in the states. Spencer, you'd know more. Yeah. You're the only gun here that's played there. I'm not sure, Mark. Have you played the states? I played the secondary tour, Jason, a long time ago. Got to the last stage and missed my tour card in the last stage and played a year and a bit. On the uh, seconds. That's way better than Norrie. Not quite as good as Spencey. Hey, last one. Jace, last one. You win the tournament. European tour officials come up to you and go, do you want to go to Denmark and play? <laughs> now, I imagine you, you were very keen to go to Denmark, but you got to get home to South Australia and well, say hello to the wife and kids. My answer was like, wow, Denmark, three million bucks. I'm like, well, if you would asked me a week ago, I'd love to go, but unfortunately I need to get home and I need to sort some stuff out and... Uh, Switzerland in a, in a week and a half for me, oh. the first one. Hey, Jace, your story is a ripper. Well, I mean, man. I just cannot get over what you've achieved. And at the age of 44, yeah. to get your chance on the European tour like you're about to get, to basically just pick it up wherever you want, it's that amazing, is stunning. It? it is stunning, and we wish you the best. All the best, Thanks, mate. Boys, and I just want to put a thank you out there to all your viewers and uh, all the support I've had over the years. It's been amazing, the support I've had in the media and uh, Facebook and all that, and uh, it just yep. really uh, makes me choke up and you know, I'm really proud and uh, just want to say thank you to everyone. Fantastic chat, Marco. Really enjoyed He's it. He's a good bloke too. Yeah, Ripper. And, He's a good uh, fella. Thank you to Chasing Birdies as well, yourself and uh, Craig Spencer. Uh, audio. Mate, uh, I, I wish him well. I hope he really goes well, Jason Norris. At 44, what's he has been through? He's a very good player, a winner, mm-hmm. a repetitive winner. Um, and it would be great if he actually, you know, does a little, little, a little bit extra. Yeah. Does a little bit extra out there and, and just shows what he can do. But fantastic to speak during the week. Got a masterclass up next, Marco. You betcha. Stick around. A free golf lesson from Mark Allen is up next. Don't go anywhere. Marco's Masterclass. And to finish the show each and every week, we get a free golf lesson from Mark Allen. Stick around because this could change your round today. We do it all <laughs> for uh, Club Mandalay Golf Course. Play golf with Club Mandalay. It's great golf in Melbourne's north. And, Marco, yeah. get this. Two people at Club Mandalay, including a cart and a drink, 79 mm. bucks. Yeah, unreal. Magnificent that is value, great value. How long have we got? Two or three. Two or three. Righto. This is off the back of Jason Norris. Yes. Who just won the Fiji International. And he told us during that interview that he tells the kids that he teaches, tells other pros who are out on tour with him, 
to turn their practice around. 80%, 80% on short game and your putting. 80%. Now, there will be that many golfers out there because hitting balls is the fun bit. Yeah. You know, hitting the ball a long way is so much fun. But there'd be people out there who have been practicing the last 10 years trying to get better. Hitting balls, neglecting their chipping and putting, mm-hmm. just neglecting it, thinking that their hitting will get them right. to a single-figure handicap. It doesn't work that way. And if you've been doing that for 10 years, have a good look at yourself because you're doing the same thing over and over and over and nothing is changing. Do what Jason Norris does. Change everything. Turn it upside down and practice your chipping and putting 80%. Now, I'm experiencing this as well. I used to caddy for a bloke called David Ferrity, pretty famous character, but he used to come to Australia and I caddied for him when he used to come down. He changed my life. When I was 15 years old, I took the bag and I was playing off four and all I did was hit balls, very little chipping and practice and a little bit of putting practice. And I was a four marker, but I thought going to the next level was all going to be about hitting the ball the six foot all the time until I caddied for David Ferrity. And he showed me how to practice. He hit the ball terribly at the Australian Masters and came fifth. Then he wanted me to caddy for him again, hit the ball even worse the next week and came eighth in the Vic Open at Kingston Heath. From that moment forward, I turned my practice on its head and I went from a four handicapper to getting a scholarship to America. And when I turned pro back in 1990, my handicap was plus four as the lowest handicap in Australia. Mm -hmm. And that's only because I turned my practice habits on their head like Jason Norris is telling everybody. So if you're sick of doing the work and not getting anywhere, but your work has been hitting 100 or 200 balls a week, change it. Change it up. Let's get serious. It's great fun hitting balls. We all know that. It's great fun. It's great exercise. But what's more fun is shooting under par Mm. or breaking 80 or shooting in the 80s regularly. And the way you do that is to take your short game to the next level. So what are we talking? 80%? Is that, 80%. Is that the number? 80%. 80%. So if you, if you normally hit 100 balls a week, go to, go to hit 30 wedges a week. Yeah. And then spend an hour chipping twice a week and somehow find a way to putt a lot. Yeah. And see what happens. You'll, you won't be surprised. It shouldn't surprise you because you've been reading about it, hearing about it. I'm telling you now about it. So is Jason Norris. It shouldn't surprise you. Mm. But get ready to be happy. What do they say the definition of insanity, Marco, is? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. People reckon Albert Einstein said that, Did but they? I'm not no. sure. I'm not sure that's the actual definition mm. of insanity. No. <laughs> I'm not sure it is, but let's go with it anyway. Play golf, play Club Mandalay. Book online at clubmandalay.com.au, Marco. Thank you for that. Good on you, Jules. I'll I want you, you to start practicing your chipping and I'll putting see as well. You on the green. When are you going to come have a game with me at Kingston Heath? Oh, soon. All right, we'll do it. We'll do it soon. See you, buddy. See you, mate.